0: If you have children, no children, or have ever been a child, you're going to want to stay tuned for this episode of the Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting feet first, because those things are your foundation, where we're breaking down the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the outright lies you've been told about what it takes to walk, run, hike, play, do yoga, CrossFit. Dance Dance Revolution, sim racing, whatever it is you like to do, uh, and to do it effectively and efficiently and enjoyably. And did I mention effectively? Trick question. I know I did. Because if you're not having fun, you're not going to keep it up anyway, so make sure you're having a good time. I'm Stephen Sashen from ZeroShoes.com, your host of the podcast. We call it The Movement Movement because we are creating a movement. And I'll talk about that we part in a second, about natural movement, letting your body do what bodies are made to do, not getting in the way of that. And the way we can be the we part, it's really simple. Go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. You don't need to do anything to join. This is the domain that I got. Uh, You'll find the previous episodes. You'll find the ways you can engage with us on social media, and you will find how you can be part of the tribe. Basically, subscribe, like, leave reviews, thumbs up, hit the bell icon on YouTube, The gist, if you want to be part of the tribe, just subscribe. Okay, Brian, welcome. First of all, wait, it's very rare that someone actually comes into the office to do this. So, uh, and I didn't actually expect that Brian was going to be live and in person, but here we are. So, tell people who you are and what you do, and then we will jump into why you're here. Well, thank you, Stephen. Well, first of all, I appreciate
1: your ability to improvise and adapt when you saw me walking in the door. Like, people (laughs) don't usually just show up. So glad we made this happen. Um, So I'm Brian Osuna. Um, The way that we met is because I own a company called Committed HP that creates and sells portable, affordable... Oh, I have something over there.
0: there. Wait, all right, you keep talking. I'm going to go (laughs) there.
1: And versatile fitness tools to inspire people and empower people to move and take care of themselves anywhere
0: and anytime. I'm back. I'm not going to show this now. We'll come to that later. But I was not prepared well enough for your physical presence, so this was not at my fingertips Boys. um now the the intro to this episode is if you uh, have kids uh no kids or have ever been a kid mm-hmm. so i know that this is something that is particularly interesting to you first of all you just had a baby mm-hmm. more accurately your wife just had a baby and you just watched <laughs> um so um so talk to me about the fundamental thing before we get into like the specifics about kids and natural movement what is it that got you interested in that to begin with mm.
1: Well, before I had kids and before kids were even a thought, I've done just like a lot of exploration around what kind of movement works best for me and what kind of movement is most useful for my clients. So I was a personal trainer and coach for 13 years. I still do a little bit of that, transitioning more into transformational coaching with people, but still definitely deeply invested in movement. Um, And I think it was... Tim Cook, I believe, who kind of planted this idea of looking at the developmental stages of children and kind of revert using that to reverse engineer, kind of like almost just help people heal their, their biomechanics and movement. And so that really got me thinking about how children develop, what are the macro movement patterns and um, kind of like the macro patterns that um, children just naturally start doing and looking at how we get separated from that and just reintroducing it into our lives. So can you talk about those different patterns, those different stages? Sure. They don't seem to always happen in the exact same chronological order, but right out the womb. Well, that's because some tilt children are time travelers. Exactly. So, I mean, that's obvious. (laughs) So anyway, I love it. Um, So breathing is the first one. I remember when my first child lean came out and uh, laid him on my chest and someone said, You breathing right teaches him how to breathe right. So uh, children's breathing, when they come out, it's just, it's very chaotic. There's not a ton of rhythm to it. So they're literally learning how to breathe. So that diaphragm does naturally kick in with children, but um, breathing is the first movement
0: pattern. Well, so let's dive into that a little more because I know there's, oh, I don't remember the name of the guy. He's Czech who has this whole thing about breathing and about 360 degree breathing. So it's mm-hmm. not just what most people think of as belly breathing. It's just expanding your abdomen, mm-hmm. but instead of just getting all of those parts mm-hmm. to expand. And um uh I just blanked on Aaron's last name, who was on the podcast because I'm horrible with names. Alexander. No. Her. Um Anyway, she developed a product called the okay. core 360 belt. Yep. That's just to cue you for that breathing. So do you want to uh, talk about that and how that, does something sure it's a monday i can't speak english It's monday yeah here we are we'll make it work
1: um (laughs) yeah there is this misconception um of proper breathing being into your belly right what i perceive and what i've learned is learning to be breathe into your belly is a way to help you learn how to regulate right Regulate, um, regulate your nervous system, regulate your physical tension. Um, so when you're directing your breath into your belly, um, it's helping you regulate versus just optimal breathing is just optimizing the amount that you can bring air in and out and, and creating space for breath and using the right muscles and biomechanics for that. So mainly your diaphragm and your interco- intercostal muscles. Are what you're trying to work or, or utilize when for proper breathing, just on everyday situations or for performance. And that breath is lateral and posterior. So your, your rib cage is actually stretching to the side and up and back. And then after that, you have accessory breathing muscles, which create even more space and assistance by pulling up and those start kicking in as you start to get fatigued or you need more air moving in and out. But just on an everyday level right now, if we're not too stressed out or we're not stressed, uh, we're not doing anything intense, our diaphragm and intercostal should be just creating that natural airflow.
0: I found that when I started playing with this idea, it and it's something I'm still uh, exploring and it's still expanding, pun intended, is that I had to really work to find how to let those intercostals let let things expand sideways mm-hmm. and backwards mm-hmm. and my favorite thing is when i do i've had sort of chronic tension like right in between my shoulders and i can feel that stretching as well mm. even though that's not what the breath is doing right um but like and i think about babies whenever I do this, because they haven't developed that chronic tension Mm -hmm. that gets in the way of Mm -hmm. doing this. And so kind of coming back, like you were mentioning before, sort of reversing time developmentally to kind of find that again is very interesting. Mm -hmm. What did you notice when you put your baby on your chest and found your breathing? Did you notice that you were doing something awry or were you just like brilliant and just, you know, teaching that to the kid?
1: You're you're saying when I started reflecting on how I was breathing, right. if I if I noticed anything? If,
0: if how you breathe is going to teach your child how to breathe. Yeah. what'd you notice about your breathing at that time?
1: I did notice that my go-to when I think about it is a belly breath, mm-hmm. but when I just relax and let my body just take over, my intercostals and my diaphragm kind of do do the right thing. So I've kind of conditioned myself to kind of belly breath consciously but luckily my body kind of knows the right way so i did notice that like if i just let my mind go to something else and then i then I tuned into my breathing without trying mm-hmm. i was kind of using that correct expansion of the rib cage versus when i was thinking about breathing then i'd start like directing it into the belly which isn't a bad thing but really we want to
0: get back to that diaphragm so if that breathing thing is our first stage what follows that Typically.
1: The way that I saw it, um, and, and, you know, we can talk about reaching and articulating with the limbs but the main thing I saw was posturing and, and specifically engaging and articulating the spine, right? So being able to lift the head and then start to like posture up the spine, either from the belly or, you know, if I was holding the child, being able to just like move and keep the, the spine erect.
0: Yeah. And after, so, I'm trying to think of then, again, for us adults who are thinking about going back in time Mm -hmm. um, and experimenting with these sort of developmental stages to see what we learn, how does that apply to those of us who are no longer babies?
1: Mm -hmm. So, I guess just engaging with your spine and posture in a way that's allowing you to have a a dynamic and strong spine, but also... uh, what 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 a neutral spine actually is, is actually including the curves of the spine. So a lot of people think straight spine, and that's a good cue for when we're like trying to do something. But uh, in a natural state, like a, a neutral spine is a somewhat relaxed spine with the natural curves and then being able to move and articulate from that place. And what we see a lot, especially when people have spent a lot of time in flexion, um, is they've lost that neutral spine and now they're moving and they're initiating so much movement from a flex place, which then compromises their breathing. And then it compromises the structures of their spine and it compromises their movement. And so the first thing is, is like helping people almost do kinds of stuff that babies would do almost like from like a cobra or a prone position on their their stomach, and starting to uh, articulate and activate some of the paraspinal muscles that have gotten weak, just so they can actually be in a neutral spine with
0: ease. So do you want to describe what some of those exercises are, or those movement patterns are? So you started saying you're on your yes, leg on the ground, on your belly. Something could be as simple as
1: lying face down with your forehead kind of touching the ground and retracting your head so there's a difference between extending the spine and then retracting is where if you have a laser pointer coming out of your nose, that laser pointer staying on the same point on the ground, mm. but you're pulling your head off the ground, right? So there's a glide function of the spine as opposed to just uh, extending just to your head up. So trying to re- restore that is a, is a huge thing. Uh exercises like bird dogs where you're on hands uh, and knees. And getting, uh, you're going through flexion extension at the hips and the shoulders. So then you're adding some, some balance and activating some different muscles in addition to those, those paraspinals. I believe they're multifidi. Yep. So really starting to just wake those, those muscles up that have kind of, kind of just given up and turned off because we spent so much time just hanging on here and then getting that ability to retract. Which even just when you do that, you start to feel those mid thoracic muscles, uh, you know, muscles like your rhomboids and your trapezius as well starting to kick in. Um, And once those get stronger and more tone, you're going to be able to stay in neutral a little bit better.
0: I noticed gymnasts are very interesting that way. So those muscles that we're talking about uh, have problems not because they've given up, but because the most important movements in gymnastics are all like, you know, pulling into the front of your body. Mm. And so gymnasts are all look like their chest is kind of caved in mm. because that's just a really important movement. And and then there's a lot of tension in the mm. lower back as well. And all gymnasts have messed up shoulders after they're done. In fact, I just had a literally right before I got here, had an injection in my bicep tendon because mm. all gymnastics thing. I noticed that Uh, If I was just doing things like scapular retraction, just pulling your shoulder blades back and down, if you're doing that with resistance or whatever, never really... Did a lot for me. Mm -hmm. But what I, one day, um, Lane and I moved into a place and I put a a chin up bar. We had a, um, our second bedroom was where we had our television. Mm -hmm. So, and we had a couch there, television and bathroom. And so I put a chin up bar in the doorway to the bathroom. And anytime I went to the bathroom, I would just go and do a couple of pull ups where I really focused on just that retraction part Mm -hmm. first before I actually bent my arms. And that made a huge difference for me. And I don't know if it was the angles or whatever it was, but just that, you know, that little bit with like a band or just, just, uh, with nothing doing scapular retractions never made a difference, mm-hmm. but that was really helpful. And I referred to that as uh, trying to get the gymnast out of my body, <laughs> like to get you know that con- that seeming contraction in the upper body out and turn that into something again more neutral. Versus someone that I knew who was in the Navy, and they're constantly saying, you know, pull your shoulders down, put your chest out, and he walked like a. Peacock all the time that <laughs> everything was so out of whack and we. This I mean we were kids when I met this guy we teased him mercilessly of course because we were children, yeah. but um but I, I like this idea of getting back to sort of neutral and movable rather than some imagined position right. that people uh, often have yeah. a misconception about. I love that too. To
1: just kind of expand on your point with the gymnastics, I wrestled for fifteen years. Oh yeah, so I have. <laughs> You know, I don't know if anyone, if any of you have seen wrestling, there's a lot of time yeah. in that flexion because it's more of a defensive position if someone's trying to attack you and uh, I scoot out Yeah, back? I'm scooting you back in. Okay. And then after wrestling, I tried really hard to be good at CrossFit. And because I had spent so much time conditioning my spine into thoracic flexion, I just couldn't put heavy weights over my head as well. Oh, that's, at least that's my excuse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's important to have an excuse. for you. It, Anytime you great. find you can't do it, yeah, you
1: just have to find an excuse. Ego needs one. Yeah, much better. Um, had nothing to do with me being 150 pounds, but um, <laughs> so, and then after that, I found Spartan Race, which I was much better suited for physically. But uh, yeah, I I mean, I spent a lot of time and a lot with the help of that mobile roller, which I actually created for myself,
0: Okay, initially. okay, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Product plug. Let me pull it out of the box. So here, as I'm pulling out of the box, say more about how and why you created this. Yeah, of course. So, now I have to figure out how to open the damn box. There we go. After wrestling, mm-hmm. yeah, uh,
1: I was pretty much a mess in many different ways, but mainly physically. The most screaming, screamingly obvious uh, issue was my neck—just severe neck pain. But after 20 different professionals telling me it's actually not your neck. It's actually your thoracic spine and your neck's trying to figure out what, like how to move now because your thoracic spine is such a mess. I was like, okay, well I need to fix my thoracic spine. And it was at the same time I was learning about self myofascial release. um, And um, I was the guy with all of the foam rolling tools in the gym. So whole bag, you know, I had the regular foam roller, I had the two tennis balls taped together at the lacrosse ball. I had the orb, which was a saw. It was like a pretty firm foam ball about this big. And I would just rotate between them all. And finally, I was like, I need one thing uh, if it exists and it didn't exist. So I made that.
0: Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, 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 For people not, not uh, watching. Uh, Here, I'll let you describe this because I can think of a number of ways of describing it that are not politically correct. So um, here, I will let you hold and describe. And for people who are watching, this will be screamingly obvious because, you know, you're looking at it. A
1: huge reason it got popular is because of all the political incorrectness that came with it. I usually didn't say anything. I just smiled and said, any publicity is good
0: publicity. But I, I, look, I have no problem being politically incorrect, <laughs> but it's more fun if someone else is doing it rather than just me. I mean, look, if I didn't, if I wanted to CEO of this company, I'd be fired for an HR violation a couple of times a day. <laughs> so I just say things that, you know, it's probably not appropriate for work. I don't know what that means. I mean, I treat everyone like they're friends.
1: Let's go back to the prototype and the first few models. These balls were blue. So. Uh, Uh, the jokes (laughs) the jokes were
0: infinite uh, okay so to be clear we have a stick with two balls on it that are you know like the size of a softball yep and um and there's more to it than that um but they're red uh and but yes if they were two big blue balls i don't need to do the jokes i think everyone else can do them pretty effortlessly yep yeah So here. All right. So I'm going to do it. The issue is you can use the, you can use this as long as you want, but you never feel totally satisfied. What's that? If you, you can use this as much as you want, but you never felt totally satisfied when the balls were blue. (laughs) This
1: is true. Yeah. There's something missing. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. So we have dense, resilient foam balls, um, similar give as a lacrosse ball, but a little bit more of that memory foam S give. So two balls, and they're kind of impaled by a stick, which is also wrapped in a foam. Um, So these balls adjust out. So the initial idea came from the two tennis balls taped together, which seemed conceptually to be awesome, but pressed on my spine and also didn't get a lot of the locations on my body that I wanted. So I, I just wanted the function of being able to adjust the balls out. And then I played with the ball sizes, and it seemed like in between a lacrosse ball and a softball was like the sweet spot that got like 95% of what we needed to do. So that's about the sizing of the balls, just a little bit smaller than a softball. And they adjust out in width. So if you want them all the way together, that's great for getting the muscles right next to the spine. It's also great for putting your calf on. Then you have either side of the gastrocnemius. So for those of you that don't know, the, the main muscle in your calf is the gastrocnemius, and it's split into two. Similar concept
0: deliberately. That's the way they come.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, similar concept with the hamstring, or if you want to be more efficient in getting two sides of the body, you can space the balls out. Now you sit your butt on there, you get both sides of the glutes. Um, you can do, um, both sides of the hamstrings, all kinds of things. The stick is padded. So throwing your foot on there is really great for just getting the foot, uh, the first thing in the morning, or you can hold the stick like this put it behind you and now I can just sit here and just kind of manipulate it around or move it around with the, the handle. So that's the short and sweet. But uh, the cool thing is, is giving it to someone who's been a massage therapist for like 40 years and be like, show me all your creativity. And they're all they're like people come up with stuff that even I haven't thought of.
0: Oh, that's great. So all right, we'll come back to that. So all right, we this was a bit of a tangent from stages, mm-hmm. and we went into neutral spine, and that led to stories about your your back, your neck, et cetera. So where are we next in the stage development change, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. whatever the word is? I'm looking for again Monday. Monday I can't think of words. Monday. Yeah. So
1: your excuse is Monday. My excuse oh. is two kids. Oh
0: yeah, and I, <laughs> I will and I will say that it's Monday on any day of the
1: week if I have to. Yeah. So. Having two kids and being home with them all the time every day is just, it's all blur. <laughs> like you don't look at the calendar until you have a, a meeting with someone. And yeah. Luckily, you let me make it. And then you show up at their office unexpectedly. Yeah. I think that's a great forget. plan. Yeah. <laughs> Keep people on their toes. Um, so after posture, um, posturing would be crawling. 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 Um, so, you know, crawling can look in a lot of, can start emerging in a lot of different ways. My first son more did more of like an army crawl at uh-huh. first. So that was fun to see, cause that wasn't something that I had really thought up at least when I was like exploring this process without having a kid, Right. Um, but then army crawling came in. But um, yeah, just starting to look at like contralateral coordination, that's just coordinating like your right hand with your left leg and vice versa. Uh, and starting to engage some of those fascial slings and different things that uh, allow you to do kind of more full body dynamic movement patterns. And uh, then you're, you're reinforcing that, that posture that you've developed and uh, starting to engage your senses a lot more because now you're moving around. And
0: again, so for adults, we're going back to this stage. What does that look like?
1: So that bird dog is a great segue because then you're being able to kind of balance and engage on arm and opposite leg uh
0: so to describe that here i'll let you do it <laughs> so you're on hands and knees oh by the way i could have done this i actually could but i'm letting you do it you could have done it well i could have done the description but you know this is one of those things where it's like it could have sounded like i was handing it off to you because i didn't know how but i could have done this i'm just letting you know we don't have a little cartoon we can put in there of you mm, uh anything of me as a cartoon but uh no <laughs> So, back to your description.
1: (laughs) So, arm and opposite leg are going to be coming off the ground at the same time and the same rate. So So, Sorry,
0: wait. So, on all fours. On all fours. uh, Yeah. Uh, Knees and toes on the ground, hands on the ground, Mm -hmm. and then, sorry. Mm -hmm.
1: So, arm's basically going up in the air to horizontal, you know, in parallel with the spine, and then the opposite leg is basically doing the same at the same time. And that's starting to develop certain muscles that are important for these contralateral movements, like the arm and opposite leg. So now you're stabilizing on the arm and opposite leg that's on the ground. Um, And so that's a really great exercise. And then literally just getting people to initially shuffle. So as opposed to like a beast or a bear crawl where your knees are off the ground and you're then having to support yourself additionally, more, more on the, the limbs they are touching or the points they are touching First just getting people to coordinate right arm, left leg sliding forward, like a shuffle, and then left arm, right leg. So they're almost just like shuffling baby shuffling. Uh, and then once they can do that, knees are off the ground. Uh, you can, you can try that with your knees, like hovering off the ground, or you can kind of stick your butt high into the air, kind of more like a bear crawl. Right. Honestly, trying to get people to have fun with it is really more important to me than like being super strict about doing it perfectly. But if we can start to see like a kind of a natural, like that, like again, that con that word contralateral pattern, just kind of emerging or at least like a, a really balanced natural way to, to move around on hands and hands and feet or hands and knees that's the main thing we're looking at. And then with that starts, you know, the tissue is going to have to adapt, you know, oftentimes your toes are tucked under, um, oftentimes, uh, the hips, the wrists, those types of things that are in new positions are having to stretch a little bit. And sometimes that's something we have to, uh,
0: readapt to. So I have the sense that we're eventually going to get to standing. What's in between here and there, if anything, getting up, getting up. All right. Let's talk about getting up.
1: (laughs) So, um, I mean, a huge, I tell people just spend more time on the ground, like period, Um, because naturally, hopefully, if you spend more time on the ground, you're getting up and down more. (laughs) (laughs) One would hope. Um, But sometimes you do have to teach people that part as well. But I believe there's some research actually done on uh, your ability to get up and down off the ground. Once you lose that, you're um, likelihood of, um, early, I mean, early age mortality or yes. just your, your time span, your, your lifespan from that point where you lose it, goes down dramatically.
0: There, there are a couple. Um, one is your ability to get up. It's not even getting up and down. It's getting up and down without your hands, mm, it's even a bigger mm-hmm. one. And similarly, walking speed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I don't remember what the threshold is, but if you're walking at something slower than fill in the blank, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, then your uh, the probability that you'll be dead within five years is through the roof. Yeah. And I would contend that a lot of that happens because people uh, have been either wearing shoes for a long time and don't have much feedback from their feet to their brain and back. Um, But then as they start to lose that, then people, uh, dumb doctors, not saying all doctors are dumb, but the dumb ones will put them in even bigger, thicker, stiffer shoes. Mm -hmm. And so they're just shuffling Mm -hmm. because they're trying to make sure they stay balanced. And the irony is that makes them less balanced. Mm -hmm. So I think that's there's some research going on right now that happily they're using our shoes that might demonstrate an alternative that would be, uh, that would save insurance companies billions of dollars mm-hmm. and keep people from dying uh, excessively prematurely. Yeah. So, fingers crossed on that. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, the, the third one that I, I definitely oh, heard wait, about. Pause was, one sec.
0: So, for anyone, oh, good time out. For anyone who is thinking about this whole, you know, getting up and down thing, especially with no hands, the other fun part, the other fun thing to do is see how many different ways you can do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, um, that one's a blast. And I, I don't, I'm trying to think if I want to give any hints about ways to explore that the obvious one, you know, because our eyes are in front of our head, the obvious thing we do is always forward. Mm -hmm. So let's just say if that's the obvious thing, what other directions can you explore to get up and down from you want to get like really creative with? Oh yeah. Let me hear it. Well,
1: when I was playing with this, like I definitely practiced. So I always tried to start from the same position. So Um, which is what just seated with my legs crossed. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can uncross from there, but, um, rolling over my shoulder, kind of Mm -hmm. like, uh, if you're familiar with Ukemi, Mm -hmm. which is the art of, of falling, which incorporates a lot of rolling kind of parkour is largely, uh, based on Ukemi. Um, but so kind of like doing a, a reverse Ukemi roll over my shoulder and then using that momentum to get up. Yep. Another would be kind of doing like a gymnastics hollow body rock back and then using that momentum mm-hmm. forward. And from that one, you can get up like six different ways yeah. depending on how you plant your feet. You can do like a symmetrical squat. You can do like a like lay your on the side of your one leg. You can even go into a cross leg and like spin up, like spiral mm-hmm. up. So there's all kinds of fun ways, but usually the easiest is to just lay, lay one leg down on its side from that kind of momentum part. And then the other leg, the other leg plants foot flat and drives up kind of into like a lunge, kind of like a modified lunge. Um, So that's a fun one, you know to just play around with to see how many different ways.
0: Okay. Here's one. Yeah. So when um, I was somewhere where they came up this experiment and the thing that I always do is I try to look for the thing that no one's doing. Mm -hmm. So I I don't remember what the thing, what it was, but it was some class where it's like figure out how many ways you could do whatever. And I realized that no one had left the room. So I just like literally walked out the room (laughs) and did whatever it was, but in this one, um, so you're sitting down and then you kind of roll over, say your uh, face. Face towards the, the ground, mm-hmm. put your head on the ground, and then scoot your knees and your feet up. And so your head's on the ground for mm-hmm. as long as you can, and then roll back to squatting. Mm-hmm. So it's just using your head as a third point of contact, which no one had, I didn't see anyone using their head. So I went, like, no, let's try that one. Should we make a video later mm-hmm. about all the mm. ridiculous ways you can put out? <laughs> hey, they're not ridiculous. These are things that will keep you from dying. We've they're already fun. established they're that. Fun. They are fun. It's entertaining. It's like I talk about this a lot. I always think about any pattern that I have, how can I try something different? Mm-hmm. So if you put your pants on left leg first, try right leg first. Mm-hmm. If you um, brush your teeth with your right hand, try using your left hand. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some things that I'm, again, HR violation, not allowed to say. But that's the gist. I always like to see what things are habitual mm-hmm. and then try to mess with that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right so we've gotten up or are we still getting up uh we're in the process of getting up okay uh
1: another tangent that we can go on another time because i know we have limited time but Uh, is like time is infinite Is just now that i have kids is like almost all of my natural not all but the majority of my natural movement practice is legitimate play Mm. and something never resonated with me when i would go to gyms that that were like movement culture gyms not i absolutely loved the style of movement but so often they were so serious
0: like <laughs> we have to like this we
1: have to train these ways and it's in like serious face and there's so many um teachers and modalities out there that that touch uh, that teach amazing and beautiful and, um movement but they're so serious and i just like now that i have kids like I try to be as ridiculous and silly and laughy when I'm doing my movement. Um, But I'll do my flips, handstands, rolls, all of my monkey ape stuff with my kids. And that's truly the the best way to do it now that I realize it. But um, taking movement too seriously is something that I did for way too long. And now I'm trying to have a blast
0: with it. I was at an event a couple of years ago for footwear CEOs and it was an all-day event and by like four in the afternoon it was all i could do not to yell they're just shoes people (laughs) now granted you know we think what we do is life-changing but what they were doing you know they were acting like this was gonna save the world if they decided to take an an elevated heel and make it a half an inch bigger Mm -hmm. or you know have some other color pattern that was like uh, you guys are taking yourself way too seriously seriously yeah it happens in many places i happily i was at this event a couple weeks ago and um maybe i it was just lucky I ended up at a table with people who did not take any of it at all seriously mm-hmm. and in fact, here, I'll give you this story um at dinner at the end of the event. Uh, Tommy Hilfiger and his wife Dee uh, did a little talk while we were having our salad. And it was all kind of silly and we were teasing them a little um, just at our own table. And then I thought of the perfect question to ask. And I didn't, the mic did not come to me. But accidentally, as I went to the bathroom, I bump into Tommy Hilfiger. And I said, Hey, I got a quick question for you. And if your answer is yes, I promise I won't tell anyone. And he goes, Oh, what's that? I go, Can you ever just slip into a pair of JCPenney sweats and a hoodie? <laughs> 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 he just goes <laughs> and walk away. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just had to; it was way too much fun. See he was like, yeah. "I got him." <laughs> Definitely a question no one had ever asked him before. <laughs> um, Love it. All right, so are we still getting up? Or are we getting up? up um, okay, we can say we're up. All let's right. let's
1: be up because you know getting getting up can be self explanatory. But in terms of reintegrating it, uh, the main things you want to look at is hip mobility. If you have significantly compromised hip mobility, you're going to only be able to get up a few certain ways, which it's, it's going to be a little bit ugly, uh, leg strength. I'm totally blanking. Oh, and balance. Mm. Yeah. Those are kind of the three things that often get lost that we need to reintroduce for getting up. So how would not someone know
0: if they have lost hip mobility?
1: There's certain tests. I mean, uh, a squat assessment test is a really easy one to start with Can kind of see, especially with like the internal external rotation of the hips uh, to kind of see um if the, in their limited internal or external rotation is compromising how they squat or is it making them squat differently this is something i haven't done in a really long time um so i might have to i would have to kind of like poke around at it, at it a bit to remember but um a squat assessment is something i used to use and then um there's manual ways where you can check. So so backing
0: up on the on the squat part. Sure. So simplest instructions for someone to play with experiment with. What would you say?
1: Um, The simplest. Yeah. Well, I guess just videotaping themselves
0: squat and describe how you want them to, what you hope to see or what you would, if they are squatting well versus squatting badly and have limited hip mobility.
1: Well, videotape yourself from the front and the side uh, as you're, butt's getting down to about the level of your knees, oftentimes what you're going to see is you basically just start flexing your spine forward. And if your, uh, hips don't have good enough internal rotation, your basically hips are going to start, stop flexing, or they're going to start deviating in, in a certain direction. Uh, usually let's say, I guess that would be out if there's limited internal
0: rotation. Well, so in other words, so that if I can Mm -hmm. something, um, do a little translation to English for some people. If you, once you get, once your hips get a little past the level of your knees, you might start seeing that your knees start to cave in, your knees start to go out. You might feel some tension in your feet wanting to go in or out all of these. And by the way, by the way, when you start the squat, where do you want your feet to be
1: for the, the test? Yeah. I believe it's it's parallel at shoulder width. Okay. That's something I haven't
0: done in all. Really, that's long. okay. Um, but that's an interesting thing to experiment with to see what happens if they are in that position, mm-hmm. or if your feet are a little wider and mm-hmm. pointed out, mm-hmm. or even pointed in. So all of right. these I can imagine are things that would. If you start to feel something where you can't get like ass to the grass, mm-hmm. then you know you've got something going on with hip mobility. Yeah,
1: it's it's either going
0: to be hip or ankle. Right? Ah, yeah. Um. So
1: you very often people will feel like a literal, like pinch or like stop like locking sensation in their hips. And they try to continue the squat by dropping like their head in their upper body. And so you'll see them start to go into spinal flexion thinking that they're going lower into a squat, but their butt's not actually going lower. So people with ankle, uh, ankle restriction, you know, you'll see that their knees won't progress any further forward. And then they kind of start sitting back and similar stuff starts happening. But usually you can tell that it's because their knees aren't able to go forward anymore without their heels coming off the ground. So from there, if you can't tell if it's your ankle or hips, there's other ways to kind of play around with that. You can do like an ankle mobility test. But long story short, um, hip mobility is something that, a lot of people lose as they get older and it's it's really important for that kind of functional movement of getting up and down.
0: Dude, I'm I'm hanging out with a sprinting coach who I really like who mostly deals with high school kids and college mm-hmm. kids and he has some hip mobility tests that many of them are failing. So, you don't have to be yeah. that old no, to have this all. become problematic. Yeah.
1: And, and that's a one of the one of the things that people don't realize about sport that requires specific adaptation. Um, sometimes, you know, it's a beautiful sport, but uh people aren't getting taught how to then take care of their body after they have these very specific adaptations over decades, you know, like a pitcher, yeah, uh a sprinter who's really refining and optimizing power through a very specific range of motion and not using more. And I think there's a lot more awareness to it now. And I think a really good strength and conditioning coach is aware of that and can help kind of minimize the risk of injury. Um, but that's something that, you know, one of many things I did not get taught Right, as, as a high level athlete that when you're done, you're going to want to take care of your body and help, r- uh, return your body to these natural ways of moving, which I figured luckily figured out on my own
0: there's a guy, another sprinting coach that I know. His whole theory is, uh, about the weight room is you're not using the weight room to get stronger as a sprinter. You're right. using the weight room to get things back in place that you got all out of whack <laughs> when you were sprinting. Yeah, he's like, oh, that's clever.
1: Yeah, that that's that's one way to look at it. But I I love that concept of you know creating extra range and space so that you don't hit your limitations right, right uh, during your sport.
0: Okay, so we're standing up. We talked about hip mobility. What was next?
1: I haven't heard other people look at it this way, but I really like to look at the actual process of getting back down, Uh right? Um, And one I included in that is jumping off of things because very often we see kids jump off of things before jumping on.
0: Well, definitely, because as soon as you say kids jumping off of things, I had flashbacks to what I did where I could easily jump off of this thing, mm-hmm. but if I could jump onto my ten foot <laughs> roof, that would have been miraculous. Yes, um, but I remember bringing the dirty laundry out, making a pile of dirty laundry, climbing onto the roof, and jumping off the roof. Amazing. <laughs> and
1: then uh, we were just talking about stuff like that this morning with my friends about you know what stuff what we used to do as kids that kids don't really do anymore or that you know parents don't let their kids do and i haven't come to any conclusions it'll be kind of like we'll see what happens but there's definitely some some things that really allowed us to become resilient and robust that we did and then yeah. there's other things i'm sure that were just downright
0: stupid i used to climb the trees in my backyard they were 70 feet high yeah. And uh, my parents did not approve. So I did yeah. it when they weren't home. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, so getting back down. So let's talk about the ways of doing that. Now, <clears throat> you just got a baby. We just got a dog a year ago. And my favorite thing is watching his usual way of getting down, mm-hmm. which is just falling over mm-hmm. because he's not very high off the ground. Mm-hmm. So he literally just tips over, mm-hmm. which I think is hysterical. Yeah. So I had initially
1: speaking of falling over. I had initially theorized like learning how to fall properly was like incorporating that getting back down um I haven't yet seen kids really learn that gracefully yet um, but that's something that I think is super valuable yeah and, that, and there's even a quote I don't know who said it is like the most important thing in life is learning how to fall and I think that's literally and <laughs> metaphorically right the idea of learning how to fail learning yeah. how to get back up after you fall or fail or, in a way that's that's graceful and you no know, um
0: well look you you know this from wrestling I know it from gymnastics. Is the only way you get better is doing it wrong thousands of times. <laughs> because A, that you know, you, you hone in on doing it better, but yeah. you also know on those rare times where something goes wrong, you've been there before. Yeah. You've, you know, you know how to how to adjust or save yourself mm-hmm. to the extent that you can. I mean, mm-hmm. I had more than my share of times where something went awry and I'm just 10 feet in the air going, I could die when this ends. Well, mm-hmm. let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so happily I did not, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. but, uh, but a lot of it is just doing it wrong over and over and over. And from our gymnastics coach is doing it wrong and not going, <laughs> because yeah. if you do that in some meat, when you do it wrong, you'll make those same noises. And that's, that's not good.
1: <laughs> Practice how you want to. Yeah. to how you want to compete right how yeah perform. yeah yeah
0: absolutely yeah so um so 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 other than just you know falling over on your side mm-hmm. what, what do we got getting back down you
1: know that's not one that i expanded a lot but it was an interesting concept because i did notice that there's you know there are specific patterns of, of getting back down but usually um when training it like making sure that the eccentric phase of like a lunge and a squat has the range of motion and the stability to get you all the way down to the ground. And ultimately, you're looking at a lot of the same stuff right. as getting up. But there are there are also a lot of unique and fun ways to, to get down and to fall. Uh, and I'm sure we could do a whole <laughs> podcast on that. But um, that's one thing that I, I, I firmly believe that giving kids the space and the the safety both physically and kind of emotionally to explore their bodies. They figure out all this stuff on their own. Um, But that is the one of all of them that I'm in in, as well. In in addition to running where I'm like a little bit of instruction or a little intervention can be
0: really valuable. Again, you're giving me flashback after flashback to things I literally haven't thought about in decades. So I got really good at doing stunt falls where it looked like I tripped on something and then just face planted. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at an event um, with a number of friends and I do one of these and it's like a convention and I do one of these and it just so happened. There was like a security guy right next door <laughs> or right, you know, right in front of me. And he's freaking out thinking that I actually like, cause what I do, I'd like fall on my face and then point back at the carpeting mm-hmm. as if I tripped on that mm-hmm. thing. And so he freaks out and immediately calls the guys running this event and they're ready for me to sue the crap out of them because of this thing on the carpet. That did not exist. And so I tried to calm them down and tell them it was just a stunt fall and they like really didn't get it. And then we thought, um, this is a bunch of marketers, we thought we should write a book called Sue and Grow Rich. just And it's all like all these fake ways of doing something like that. Um, Not because we believe that you should sue people to get rich, but because we thought if we did it right, we could get on Oprah by taking it seriously. which I think would, which would have been really fun, but we, we never pulled it off.
1: When, when satire gets taken seriously. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, there was a guy, there's a guy, oh, oh, I, bl- um, Abel is his last name. I can't remember his first name. Um, Alan maybe. There's a documentary about him. He did a whole thing. He created an organization that was all about putting clothes on animals because they don't like being naked. And uh, people took it totally seriously. Mm. It was and after like five years of this, he and the other people doing it went, We we can't keep this up. I mean, there's no way out of it. Mm-hmm. So, but people like completely believed it. So yeah, wow. there's always a always people who believe
1: there. W- I'm probably going to totally butcher this, but I know there was a couple of guys that created like almost satire research just to test the peer review process. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they they, they passed through peer review
0: process. That's complete gibberish. Yeah. No, there's another one. There's um, two guys called the Yes Men. Yeah. And the, I, th- I don't know if this is the first thing they did. No, it's definitely not the first thing they did. One thing they did is they put up a fake World Health Organization website. Mm. And then they got invited to come to a sp- talk because someone thought it was a real WFL website so they did and it was all like the most ridiculous stuff ever there's a couple movies from the Yes Man Um, one of the first things they did is they took a whole bunch of Barbie dolls uh, from a toy store and a whole bunch of talking Barbie dolls and talking G.I. Joe dolls Hmm. and switched the voice boxes Hmm. so Barbie would say let's come (laughs) and uh, and G.I. Joe would say it's time to go shopping I mean and, and they put them back on the shelf and people bought these I mean it was just hysterical uh, so, look up the Yes Men would be okay. another opportunity for that. Yeah. All right, we're so standing. What we, else got, we had?
1: We got back down. <laughs> so, I incorporated jumping off of things. Oh yeah. Because that specific development of of taking on more impact and eccentric load seems to uh, really help develop in a certain way, and it's really awesome because my I just watched my son make a quantum leap of like only being able to jump off like low curbs and within like a span of a week now he's jumping onto curbs and he's jumping off of like three foot high rock. Oh wow and it's cool to see like both at a like an actual physical growth level and a developmental level kids make these quantum leaps and there was i i heard about this research done where this woman actually showed that uh, kids very often don't grow don't grow and then they make these quantum leaps of like an inch in like a matter of of a day or two or three.
0: Yeah, to be clear, that didn't happen to you or I. What? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. So I always tell people I was supposed to be between six two and six four. Yeah. But I lived in the time of low fat diet. Uh-huh. And my mom was all in on it. I did gymnastics and wrestling, uh-huh. and I was definitely supposed to be like six one, sixty. and you ended up what? What?
0: And you ended up where? Uh, like five, five and 3'4". yeah, I, I was, you know, uh, I looked at a spinal x-ray recently, and I've got a couple of spine things going on. It's like, I did used to be five six. Yes Damn it. that's <laughs> never gonna happen again. So, yeah, I have no excuse for that. Well, I was a six week pre. that'll be my excuse. Mm-hmm. and it's Monday, so it's Monday. that's my other excuse for everything. Yeah. So here we go we're okay. back on oh wait on jumping though um a thing to pay attention to is uh you know don't jump off something too bigger than you are and then if you can videotape it watch what happens to your knees when you land hmm. so because if your knees cave in mm-hmm. and ah, that ain't good mm-hmm. and so that's the thing where when, I, I just see when people are landing it's like oh, oh don't do that start lower and pay attention like get a mirror watch mm-hmm. where your knees are going you want them to track like parallel or slightly out depending on what you're doing to, because that one could be messy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. totally so i mean
1: this is where the the kind of whole chronological thing kind of it varies right so um i definitely saw some of liam's friends or uh friends of ours who had kids like kids were jump, some kids were jumping onto stuff like just after two, mm. which was bl- mind blowing. Wow! And then, uh, like Liam is three and a half, and he just started jumping onto stuff, um, but he developed other things um, much earlier. And he's doing your taxes. He's doing. He's already better at doing taxes. Maybe that's for sure. <laughs> so let's see where are we standing? We we we, we did getting up and getting, getting down. down. Yeah. Um. So now now kind of a there's a whole pool of things that happen like i said out of chrono in no necessarily chronological order which is picking things up but we already we didn't say walking of course right we're walking
0: we, we, we kind of jumped
1: over balance yeah kinda. yeah and i always went back and forth with like balance like what what is balance is that that's not as much of a motor pattern as it is like a, a learning of the nervous system how to equilibrate and adjust um but that's not one that I necessarily included, but it was all, it seemed to be essential for pretty much all of these things, yeah. the development of all of these things is, is learning how to balance. Um, so then walking gate, um, many of you may know that a walking gate and a running gate is different. So walk, walking is going to come before. And usually kids aren't going to start running uh, very often. You'll see kids skipping or doing some sort of like gallop thing when they're trying to run before they learn a proper uh, running gait. So we got walking. Um, and then around the similar, similar time, you start seeing um, them learning to pick things up off the ground. Uh, well, at least up with, with some real weight substance um, from standing position. Liam has his own little nine pound kettlebell, which he loves doing <laughs> little does It's super cute.
0: Uh, Halloween is however many months away. That's the thing I remember about picking stuff up because the rule was if you can pick it up, you can take it. <laughs> and so there's all these pictures of me and my sister like going for stuff that is, you know, it, it, it looked like a strongman competition in miniature. Meaning if you can, like, just you can literally Physi- hold it, physically pick it up off the ground and hold it, then you can bring that one home. <laughs>
1: It was a blast. So we're talking about pumpkins. Yeah. Okay. But at first, I thought you were talking about candy. I was like, Here,
0: uh, "Well, I think it was that too." It's like you know, if you couldn't carry it, then you couldn't eat it. But uh, no, it's picking up pumpkins. And, and that's when you start
1: seeing how creative can actually be. If you tell them if you can if you can pick it up, then you it, then you can have it. And yeah. with candy, oh, you'll see some creative stuff.
0: <laughs> well, my creative thing for candy was whenever there was always a house in someone's neighborhood where they said the person there is like a horrible witchy person and uh, they don't like kids or whatever it is, or is it going to down some dark alleyway and, and no one goes there. It's like, so that's where I went. Yeah. And invariably that's where you end up getting a bag full of full size candy bars. Cause no one showed up. Yeah. yeah. So
1: luckily I, I recently uh, read and maybe it's not up to date. So I, I need to look read again, but I, it, it is a, an urban legend or a myth that uh you know people used to put things in apples in, in
0: apples or, or, yeah, and completely stuff. never happened. Yeah absolutely never happened. Yeah. Although I had a joke, uh this was not for kids. It was an adult joke. It's like I would put out a bag of razor blades and a bag of apples saying it's a DIY project. So <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> you know. Uh so walking gate, running gate. Uh yeah,
1: picking things up. Oh yeah carrying things, things of weight uh, of wheat or different i guess uh size and dimension uh and then the
0: last would be climbing up onto things wait i want to back up to the caring things um and again to my like looking for patterns i noticed this one yesterday so i had to the track that i normally go to had some football stuff going on so i had to go to a different track where i had to park like about 200 yards away and my bag i had some extra stuff in my bag and i realized i always carry my bag on my right shoulder mm-hmm. so i went oh look at that so i put it on my left shoulder it's like huh it's a really interesting unusual feeling mm-hmm. so again looking for those habits those mm-hmm. things that you've gotten used to without paying attention yeah. is an interesting thing to explore
1: it is it it is an interesting to explore i never really incorporated this into my training uh that though very often as trainers we try so hard to be perfectly symmetrical we're not actually oh, yeah. symmetrical beans um but that hasn't really made its way into uh or at least that I know of into like traditional fitness training of how to actually honor our actual em- asymmetries
0: yeah I can't the closest thing I can think of is doing dumbbell stuff instead of barbell mm-hmm. stuff but even that's a different game yeah so all right so now we're climbing onto things mm-hmm. which of course is again for me what led to jumping off of things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so
1: so like I said, to a degree i you know many kids start climbing up stuff before they start walking right my son started climbing up the stairs before he started walking some kids wait quite a while before climbing up on stuff so mm. that's uh it's one of those things that it, it it's very dependent on the kid um, but now my son is you know climbing on climbing walls and he's climbing up on uh, vertical structures and different things at the playground which is pretty fun to see and uh, jumping off of stuff so He now touched on all of the major kind of macro movement patterns that I theorized on. And (laughs) uh, the only other one, which I didn't include from a a training adults to get back to natural movement standpoint was like the throwing chopping motion, which I think is there, there is a ton of value in it now that I explore it more, but in a modern context, not as important for like survival um, as as much as it was maybe when you had to throw a, a spear chop down your own, trees for, to make houses out of, but it is, it does develop your body in a, in a really unique and useful way though.
0: And again, I, this is one where I actually debate in my own mind about trying whichever one is your opposite side versus just doing the, whatever side you prefer yeah. best. Yeah. Um, and um, I haven't really, cause like I haven't really spent a lot of time trying to throw left-handed. Um, I know as a sprinter, if I try to start with the opposite leg, forward it's just not correct mm-hmm. i mean not that i can't do it it's just that i don't have the same kind of power or speed right so i don't do it because it has no value to get mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um in that perspective from that uh use case um but that's one that i'm i'm kind of curious about yeah um especially like chopping motions mm-hmm. that that's intriguing to me
1: for in general like my my question or curiosity with myself with asymmetries is like am i just not as coordinated because I haven't used this side of my body as much? Or is this actually illuminating like a true physiological deficiency, like uh, pressing overhead, right? If I can't actually get my right. arm to vertical right, versus this one, and that's why my left feels so much weaker, then I'm like, okay, that's illuminating something that might actually be valuable to improve upon versus like the carrying the bag, like an, carrying an awkward object where you just feel better doing it on the right. That might just be that, like from a neurologic, a neuromuscular patterning thing, like your body just isn't used to it and you would quickly catch up on that side.
0: Yeah. I had shoulder surgery uh, five years ago, six years ago. And so I couldn't use my dominant arm for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised. Like I got really good at writing with my left hand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, eh, that was pretty, pretty interesting. Can't do it now. Yeah. Um, and now, and I just bought a jacket made in Europe. And so the zipper's on the quote wrong side. And it took me a good three months to get comfortable doing that because mm-hmm. it was just so – it's surprising how the, the little angles make a difference in just zipping something up. Mm-hmm. And so it it literally took me a while, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty funny mm-hmm. Europeans. Yeah, I was put in the – I called it the rocket launcher when you have
1: – Rotator cuff surgery—they often put you in yeah. that it's a sling that has like the huge pad that keeps your arm off the body. Yeah, and so I, I got the pleasure of being in the rocket launcher. We actually—I mean—shoulder surgery is extremely common in wrestling, so yeah, there was even nice. a a running joke of like we all passed on the same like rocket launcher to each other as wrestlers on our college team. Um, but yeah, same thing. I started to. Get really good at doing stuff with my left hand that I never
0: even thought to do with with my left before that. Again, HR violation that I'm not doing. So, um, so we've gone through all these patterns. We've gone through ways that people can explore playing with them to mm-hmm. see what you find. Mm-hmm. And um, I would probably bet that the one people least want to do is probably the one most valuable. Um, mm-hmm. This is my hunch. And, uh, or the one that you think you're the worst at, probably the best one to play mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. um, and just find a way to do it. Um, anything else we got to wrap this up yeah. badly, but anything else that we need to do to kind of bring this in for a landing? Well, one big one that I, that I do a lot of, and has gotten a lot
1: of, uh, kind of publicity and awareness around is in the, in through the context of climbing up things, the hanging piece and I, i'm such a huge proponent of hanging and i actually like hanging from gymnastics rings the best so I, I even just like did a post of like uh one of my favorite life hacks right now is putting gymnastics rings outside and just hanging from them and twisting and just seeing how many different things you can do not even from the context of working out but just like hanging and getting in different positions come over to like my house we'll head, head over to your house i got two sets hanging outside there you go but hanging is just it's just so good for you yeah Even if you don't like understand why it's just so good for you. Um, all the tissues that it stretches and the things that it opens up, it opens up for you and your grip strength is directly correlated with, you know, lifespan and there's just on and on. But, uh, if I can just end with one thing is like, start hanging from things, you know, go with your kid onto the playground and hang from the bars, do the monkey bars, hang from a tree, gymnastics rings, hang more.
0: (laughs) I like it. Brilliant. So, Brian, if people want to get in touch with you, find out more about what you're doing, find mm-hmm. out about your company and the products that you have, mm-hmm. please let them know how to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. So the company is committedhp.com. So two M's and two T's in committed. Um, people get that wrong very often. C-O-M-M-I-T-T-E-D-H-P.com. Um, this is the mobile roller. This is the full size the travel size is just shorter in length, but the balls are exactly the same. Phenomenal product. Just like Stephen shared with me. It's one of those products. Once you get on it, you're like, wow, like it's I'm so one. glad I got on this thing. Um, Personally, comfortable giving out my, one of my emails. So say, here's my phone number. Here's B-R- my social number. B-R-Y-A-N at committedhp.com is the one email I'm comfortable putting out there. And uh yeah, so I'm. Transitioning into transformational life coaching is the main thing that I'm focusing on as well as sound therapy. Um, and I'm sure we could kick out on that, but happy to uh, still explore um, the movement through the context of uh,
0: just making yourself the best version of you you can make. Beautiful. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a total pleasure. I mean, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, so I'm mm-hmm. glad we did by you uh, storming the office. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, for everyone else, um, a thanks. B reach out to Brian. I'm sure you'll get value out of that. And see, remember, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com to find previous episodes, all the ways to engage with us. And if you have any requests or suggestions, anyone you think should be on the show, whatever floats your boat, um, anything you want to share with me, just drop me an email, move, M-O-V-E at jointhemovementmovement.com. And most importantly, between now and whatever's next, go out, have fun, and live life feet first.